0: Everybody has a body. Everybody experiences something, whether it's pain, injury, illness, or disease. Every experience can teach us something. I'm your host, Kristen Erickson. On this podcast, I interview guests about their health experiences and what they have learned. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Everybody. I'm very happy today to have Ben Shaladi here with me. He's a friend of mine and a very awesome. Person in general, and um, thank you, Ben. Welcome to the the podcast.
1: I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Great. Yeah. So, I want to give our listeners a little bit of a, a, a share a little background about you. So, I know Ben because we've lived in Provo for a while, have mutual friends. we are in the same ward. So many friends. <laughs> <In common. laughs> That's true. Um, and so, Ben has a, an interesting e- educational background. And has many degrees. Can you tell us what those degrees were in?
1: Yes, I have a bachelor's in Latin American studies, a master's in Spanish linguistics, both from BYU. And then I have a PhD in second language acquisition and teaching from the University of Arizona in Tucson. And then I came back to BYU and got a master's in social work. Okay. So I'm both an excellent Spanish teacher and a fine therapist.
0: Muy bien. Yeah. Something interesting also about Ben is he is an author. He has, has a book that's published and won an award.
2: It did, yeah.
0: And can you tell us about the title of that book and what it's about?
1: Yeah, so I wrote a book called A Walk in My Shoes, Questions I'm Often Asked as a Gay Larry Saints. and it's about my experiences being a gay member of the church, but each of the chapters is based on a question I calmly get asked. And it's kind of like a, mm-hmm. like a teaching memoir where you go through the story of my life, but through these questions that I get asked all the time, like, were you born gay? Did you choose to be gay? You know, How are you happy as a single person? And uh, those kinds of questions. And I'm really proud of it. It won an award. So I think it's pretty good. Uh, and I'm working on a second book right now about my mom having dementia.
0: Which brings us to our interview today. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. So I think that's very awesome. And I, I enjoyed your first book and I'm looking forward to your second book. So Today is unique because usually I interview guests about their own health journey and things that they've learned. And this is unique with your mom. So we'll be talking about the experience that she's had with Alzheimer's disease. It's unique because we could have her on the show, but it might be difficult for her to articulate she, her experience. She can
1: articulate zero of anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she makes no sense.
0: Okay, interesting. <laughs> but she would
1: love to be on. She would She would talk and jabber. It just wouldn't make any sense.
0: Interesting. Um, well, let's, let's back up a little bit. So I want to go through a little bit of the story of your mom mm-hmm. about her dementia, about her Alzheimer's and, yeah. and then bring us to where we are today. Yeah. And then I want to ask you a few questions about things that you've learned and things that you might want to share specific to her. Yeah. So great. Yeah. Let's it.
1: Okay. So my, my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2016. So about six and a half years ago, uh, the day before her 68th birthday. Mm. And I was living in Tucson at the time. I'm from the Seattle area. And all my siblings live nearby, my parents. So I was the person who would be gone for months and then come home and stay with them for a week or two. So I was able to see changes in her that Mm. people didn't notice who were seeing her all the time. Mm. And so I came home for a week in the summer in in June, a few months before her diagnosis. And uh, she asked me what I wanted for dinner. And I said taco soup, which she'd made for me hundreds of times. And so we went to the store, and she couldn't figure out what to buy. She couldn't re- remember the recipe, and then I called my sister in law, who gave me the recipes. And we bought all the stuff, and we got home, and she couldn't figure out what to, how to make it. But all you do is open cans and brown some meat; <laughs> like it wasn't hard to do. Hmm. So I had to like explain to her how to brown meat, and then she could do it, but she didn't quite remember what to do. And I was like, "That's concerning." So then I brought it up to my brother, and he—they come over to my to my parents' house for Sunday dinner. My mom would always make dinner. He's like, "You know, I've noticed my the dad's been buying pizza a lot lately." Hmm are getting, you know, like fried chicken, you know, like things that you could just heat up. And so then, so that was like the first red flag. Mm-hmm. And then the next month in July, uh, she and I and my sister and a friend went on, a, on this long trip through Canada. Mm-hmm. In eastern Canada, because we'd always loved Anna Green Gables and we're mm-hmm. big fans. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we were in Canada and my mom kept noticing the the speed limit signs and saying 100 miles an hour, that feels too fast. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's kilometers, we're in Canada. She's like, oh, of course, we're in Canada, that makes sense. And then an hour later, 100 miles an hour? That mm-hmm. seems too fast. <laughs> and so then uh, that was concerning. Then um, we drove through Canada. Then we ended the trip in Massachusetts in Cape Cod. And so we're on the beach watching the sunset. And my mom leans over to me and she says, are we in Florida? And I said, no, we're, we're in Massachusetts. And that's when I was like really concerned. Mm-hmm. So uh, I said, "Mom, you got to get tested for this." And then I talked to my dad, and then she got tested, and they did all the all the tests for Alzheimer's, and she failed all of them. Wow. Like she not only had she had did she have Alzheimer's, but she had it for a while.
0: And how many years ago was that?
1: That was six and a half years ago.
0: Okay. Yeah. Wow. And so, what was that like for you to to receive the formal diag or hear her receive the formal diagnosis? Yeah,
1: it's interesting because like she'd always had a bad memory. Like she was always absent minded. <laughs> and so so like mom getting Alzheimer's was like a running joke in the family. Not like a joke like mm-hmm. haha, she's gonna get Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. but like we all just kinda like saw it coming mm-hmm. and then I first noticed in June, you know, the significant decline and then she was diagnosed three months later. So i ha- I was Very sure she had Alzheimer's or some kind of dementia. So that was no surprise. But then when we actually heard the diagnosis, Mm -hmm. it was shocking. Mm -hmm. Like you just are not prepared for that kind of information. Yeah. And I remember thinking like I just like it's like my breath just like left my body. I was just so shocked. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then it's so odd because in our culture, like if my mom had died in a car accident, you know, people know what to do. Mm-hmm. Like they know how to send flowers and like send their condolences, but we don't know what to do when someone gets a, di- a diagnosis of yes. Alzheimer's because life is the same. Yes, it's not; it's the same as it was. yet like nothing has changed. We just now know, like, the, how this person is going to die and the terrible future that hasn't happened yet but is coming.
0: Yes, absolutely. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. So bring us to today. Unless you have something you want to say in the middle, what is? Because you mentioned this a little bit where she would just jabber at this point. So yeah. tell us what her. S- State is like now or her status?
1: Yeah, so uh, I think that this is going to be her last year. She's declined significantly. Um, She was in assisted living for two years. Uh, My dad just, he didn't want her to go to assisted living. He wanted to keep taking care of her, but she was just too much. And the interesting thing about my mom, which is different than many people with Alzheimer's, is she has not slowed down physically. And so, as her brain has declined, she still, like, wants to be helpful and do things. So, Hmm. all day long, she's doing things Hmm. and just causing problems (laughs) all day long. Hmm. Just, like, putting ice cream in cupboards and putting yard tools in closets and and, like, taking coins and just, like, stacking them in drawers, weirdly. So all day long she's doing stuff. So it got to a point where my dad couldn't care for, for her anymore. So she was in assisted living. And then uh, in January, just a few months ago, I was in town. We were visiting. And she had this, like, really aggressive pass-out moment. She was sitting in a chair. And she just kind of passed out suddenly. And she let out this really, like, unnatural sound, like a snore slash snort. And then her eyes rolled up into her head. And I, I thought she died. Like, right in front of us, I thought she had died. And she came to like right after that. But all of us who were there like we were so terrified. And then after that, um, the, the place she was living wanted to raise the rent an extra $3,500 a month. Like it was so much money. Aww. Like so much money. And my, my brother said, we don't want mom to die here in this place. So we're going to bring her home so my dad so my brother and my sister-in-law have been caring for her for the last few weeks since she moved in and that's going really well she's honestly rallied she's gaining weight again (laughs) she's happy (laughs) uh she loves to talk but everything she says like it hasn't made she hasn't made much sense for years (laughs) like every once in a while like a lucid moment will come through but most of the time she doesn't say anything that makes any sense
0: yeah that's interesting how you're describing that because one thing that to me stands out about alzheimer's is you lose a a parent or a loved one twice uh-huh. it's like you said before it's not like a regular grieving process or like a mourning when you get the diagnosis but as they gradually decline it's like you lose the person that you knew and then mm-hmm. when they do die you will lose them again so it's like yeah. a very unique grieving process and mourning process of losing them twice yeah. it will be you know like that yeah
1: and, and, you know, two quick stories come to mind as you were talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my mom and I were on the same cell phone plan for a while. Like, I had a plan, and she was, like, a another mm-hmm. standing Subscriber. number on it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'd had she had the same number for years, and she was on my plan. And then she had lost her phone, and it had been lost for, like, six months. And she didn't even know how to use the phone. Like, it didn't matter she had, that she didn't have a phone. Uh, but finally, my dad was like, you know, we're paying for this line for six months. She's not ever going to use it again. Just cancel it. So I called the cell phone company to cancel the line, and they – they didn't want me to cancel it because you know they like having subscribers mm-hmm. and so they said this is irreversible like if you cancel this line mm-hmm. you cannot get it back mm-hmm. and i said cancel it mm-hmm. i said okay well we're gonna cancel so i got off the phone and then i just like felt this like wave of loss because <laughs> i've called my mom for years on this <laughs> number and i, and I mm-hmm. thought i can never call my mom on <laughs> that number again <laughs> and just like that like it's like these little cuts yes it's not like this big moment of grief like these little cuts that just happen as you like notice a loss that happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then over Christmas, before my mom moved out when she was still in the assisted living place, um, I was home for Christmas for two weeks and I would go visit her and she was usually really happy to see me like she doesn't know who I am she doesn't really know who anyone is but she still like recognizes us mm-hmm. definitely my, my dad and my sister who visit the most she still seems to recognize them um, but some days I would go and she didn't seem to care that I was there mm-hmm. and I like went to hug her and she kind of dodged my hug mm-hmm. once and I was like mom I'm just mm-hmm. trying to give you a hug mm-hmm. but then she would always warm up and was like so happy mm-hmm. to have me and she'd tell me she loved me and it was so sad to just like want to connect with this person but mm-hmm. I couldn't and mm-hmm. so I found her her old journal Mm -hmm. and I would go visit her and I would come home and read it. Hmm. It was kind of like I got Hmm. to have that like I mean, what she had written was decades before, like mm-hmm. like more than a decade before. But it was I still felt like I could connect with her. I could be with her physically, and, like connect with her emotionally that way.
0: hmm Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that.
1: Yeah. And oh, Just, and during that experience, yeah. I, I had a thought w- that was, you know, I, I think everyone should leave something behind for the people that love them. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's because really beautiful. My mom wasn't a journaler. She had a journal for, like one year, so. And I remember reading the whole thing while I was home for Christmas and thinking, I wish there was more.
0: Oh, well, yeah. Well, we are recording this episode, and we're putting it on Family Search, so there's that. There's that.
1: <laughs> oh, I've left way too much for the people who love me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. um, so another question, something that's interesting about Alzheimer's specifically is it's a cognitive de- decline, and you see neurological changes and you can see the, the lack of brain function at its optimal state. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that has been interesting at all for you in terms of appreciating what the human mind can do. Yeah. Or if you've thought about that at all in,
1: yeah. Yeah. in observing her. There there are verses in the scriptures that talk about how you know the, the, in the resurrection not one hair of our head will be lost. And I mean that's great for people who are bald who like want their <laughs> hair back, uh, but I've kind of taken that to mean like like one like not one neuron like not one hmm. synapse will be lost. Hmm. I like that. And like all these like little things that that decline because of mortality will all be brought back to us in the resurrection. And so you know as I as I've watched my mom change you know some people with dementia have personality changes my mom hasn't changed her personality like she is still sweet and kind and loving like she is still her she just doesn't understand anything and can't express hmm. herself anymore
2: hmm.
1: and so it's been inter- interesting to see uh, you know what what has changed in her brain like hasn't changed her personality although hmm. that does happen for a lot of people mm-hmm. and I'm just really looking forward to the day when you know hmm. all the synapses will be back
0: yes. Yes, that's beautiful. Is there anything else you'd share in terms of our appreciation that you've gained by watching this experience for her?
1: Yeah, uh, there have been a number of aha moments. One was there's this great uh, neuro uh, neuroscientist, her name is Lisa Genova. She mm-hmm. wrote a book called Still Alice, uh, which was turned into a movie, and then uh, Julianne Moore won an Oscar for it. It's very good. I'd highly recommend it. It's also a tearjerker. Um, and she wrote, she's written a number of books, but one is called Remember, about the science of remembering, and she has... Uh, a whole chapter on on Alzheimer's. And one of the things she says is that you are more than your memory. Mm-hmm. And one of the things mm-hmm. she talks about is sometimes loved ones will say, well, does it matter if I, if I visit my loved one? Will they even re- remember? And uh, one of the things she says is, you know, they might not remember that you visited five minutes from now. They might totally forget. But in that moment, they felt loved. Mm-hmm. And that matters.
2: And I really so, like that. And so,
1: and so, just helping, trying to help my mom feel loved, like in those moments, has been really good for me. And uh, th- there's a there's a line in Still Alice, which which is fiction, where the main character Alice, was dementia, is speaking at a conference, and she's like halfway through her Alzheimer's progress, and she says in this speech, um, "I will, I will forget that I spoke to you some tomorrow. Like I won't have any memory of this happened, but I lived every moment of it today, and that matters."
2: That's lovely. And
1: and so just trying to remember, like, today really does matter, even if tomorrow, today will be gone. And, uh, you know, I don't have any children. I'm 39, and I think there are things that parents have learned that I didn't learn because I haven't ever been a parent. Um, But I had to learn that my mom's feelings were more important than my stuff because she wrecked a lot of my stuff Hmm. (laughs) and didn't mean to. And sometimes I would get frustrated with her, and then she would just be so sad. And, and then I would, I'd be like, no, calm down.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there's a verse in First Corinthians 13 where it says that charity suffereth long and mm-hmm. is kind mm-hmm. and is patient. Mm-hmm. And I realized I am so often not those things. <laughs> and just like mm-hmm. reminding myself with my mom, I need to be those things mm-hmm. because she's not aware of what she's doing. And then I had this light bulb moment reading those verses where I thought like the true measure of my integrity is how I treat someone who will have no memory of how I treated them. So cuz there was this moment I got I was home visiting once and I got so mad at my mom she took all my dirty clothes and she ironed them and then she folded them and she put them in my dad's drawers <laughs> and and I and I found out right before I was going to bed and so I was tired and all my stuff was gone and I was so annoyed. And I was like, "Mom, you really messed up." And then she was so sad. And that's when I read that verse Aww. that night. And then I woke up in the morning. I was like, Mom, I am so sorry I got mad at you last night. And she had no memory of any of it. Oh, okay. And so I was like, well, it doesn't matter that she won't remember. I still need to be kind to her all the time. Mm,
0: That's a good lesson for all of us. (laughs) Well, let me ask you also if you have any awareness that you'd want to share. I think there is a pretty broad awareness of Alzheimer's as a disease, and it's growing in our in terms of our aware- awareness, but I wonder if there's anything about the actual disease of Alzheimer's, the y- Alzheimer's that you'd want to share awareness about. Or you said sometimes people don't know what to say or they don't know what to do. Yeah. I wonder if you have anything any tips that you'd share for our listeners in terms of what could be done or said when that kind of diagnosis is received.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so what's really helped me, so a lot of people want they ask me like how is your mom doing? And it's only ever bad, you know? (laughs)
2: Yeah.
1: Um, And so, and sometimes I want to talk about it, sometimes I don't. So what what has been really helpful is when people ask me, hey, is it okay if I ask about your mom? Hmm. And that way I can say, I'd rather not talk about it. Mm -hmm. Or yes, of course. Mm -hmm. And so not just, opening the door for me talking about this painful thing, yeah. but saying, hey, do you want to talk about this thing? Because most of the time I do, but sometimes I don't. So just, like, asking for consent before yeah, asking that's a good tip. Uh, has been really helpful. Um, but uh, the, the thing that, 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 that I have needed the most is just people that take care of my dad because he mm. was her primary caregiver mm. for five years, and, and he just needed breaks. Mm-hmm. And so the people... In his life, that like my aunt, his sister, uh, would take my mom on some outing every week for oh, a few hours, so yeah. he could just like have a break. Yes. And my brothers done the same. My sisters done the same. I've done my best to do that, just like give my dad a break. Um, so those kinds of things are, are really helpful, um, and just any way you can just ease the caregiving load is is so helpful. Um, some things that haven't been helpful are when people say things like, well, you know, this is all for a purpose, you know, uh, your mom is still your mom and she still loves you. Like, like those kinds of things, like the the lessons I'm supposed to be learning from this, people tell me those lessons has never been helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just saying like, hey, this is really hard. Do you want to talk about it? Just like sitting with me mm-hmm. has been so good. Mm-hmm and uh, my, my best friend from high school still lives in my hometown, and he and his wife uh, took my parents' dinner like every month and a half, and still do. Like, they still go and visit my dad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, casseroles are nice, and the food is nice. But my dad doesn't need the dinner. Like, he can feed himself, mm-hmm. but he did need those visits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now, he, now that he lives alone, uh, he's pretty lonely, mm-hmm. and there are people that, that come by and visit, and those, those people have saved his life. Oh. So mm-hmm. uh, when someone has a loss like this, um, just being with them, uh, but the the big aha moment I've had that I think would be helpful for anyone going through this yeah. is a term called ambiguous loss. Uh-huh. And ambiguous loss is when the loss isn't isn't certain or isn't complete. Yes. And so it it was coined during I think the Vietnam War when all these soldiers were lost mm-hmm. um, and they didn't know what what had happened. So. They were probably gone, but they weren't necessarily Mm -hmm. gone. Mm
2: -hmm. And so the
1: term has come to apply to people that are experiencing a loss that hasn't been complete yet. Mm -hmm. What that means is the resolution hasn't happened yet, Mm -hmm. and there's still, like, a loss that is ongoing but not complete yet and, yes. and alzheimer's is like the quintessential yes. ambiguous loss yes and as i learned about this i started to notice my dad experiencing it mm. and so one 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 aspect of ambiguous loss is people blaming themselves for the loss mm. and i realized my dad would say you know i tried the water cure i tried the sulfur cure mm. like i tried all these things around the internet to help help cure her alzheimer's and my dad would say that all the time and i was like oh he's trying to convince himself that this isn't his fault Mm. and once i realized that i could say you know dad this isn't your fault Mm -hmm. you know this is just something that happened Mm -hmm. it's just part of part of mortality, part of being a human being in a body. Mm-hmm. And it was good for me to understand how ambiguous loss affected me and how it affected the people around me.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point. What are some other things that can be done to deal with the ambiguous loss?
1: Yeah, uh, the the most important thing is just like living in the present. Yeah. Just just no, just acknowledging the things that are hard, uh, but also treasuring the, the person that's still there. Yes. And so, you know, sometimes... My dad would say, like he just like want my mom back the way she was, mm-hmm. which that makes so much sense. And other times he would say, well, she's not who she was anymore; like mm-hmm. she's just gone now. Yes. But the, but both those are incorrect. Yes. Like she is both present and not yes. present.
0: Yes, it's like we want it very tidy, and a lot yeah. of times it is not tidy, and that is hard to sit with.
1: Exactly, yes. and and so so for me, it's it's like learning to treasure mom that's still there Mm -hmm. uh, while also grieving the part of her that's not there like accepting reality and just like learning to like live in that reality yes so when i go home like i can still hold her hand and hug her and that's beautiful Mm -hmm. but she has no concept for my Mm -hmm. life or who i am Mm -hmm. and but she can i can still hold hands with her i'm grateful that i can do that
0: yes it's the ultimate mindfulness where you're just very much in the present accepting what is (laughs) exactly yeah so i know you mentioned um a few beautiful things about spiritual lessons that you've learned. Is there anything else that you would say in terms of wisdom that you've gained, a spiritual nature that specifically from this experience?
1: Yeah, there There, there are two things I'd like to share. The first comes from the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. And so the very first verse in the Book of Mormon, this guy Nephi, it says uh, that he was highly favored of the Lord, and yet he had seen many afflictions in all of his days. So the very first verse of the Book of Mormon starts out with him saying, God was there and And things were the worst.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And I've noticed in his writing that comes up again and again and again. Like God was there and this was super hard. Mm -hmm. And just learning to live in that place of like, of noticing the divine presence in my life, but also acknowledging that it's really hard. And I found there have been times when I'm like, you know what? It's all fine. Like everything's good. And just like being hopeful, optimistic and, When that happens, I'm living in a fantasy world. Mm -hmm. But then when I don't notice God being there, when I just, like, notice the hardness and not any of the divinity, then I just get bitter and angry. Mm
2: -hmm. And so
1: I I found that that balance of, like, things are hard, but God is there has been really helpful. Love it. And the other thing that's been really helpful to me is this concept called Holy Saturday. Mm -hmm. And so there's in Christianity, there's uh, Crucifixion Friday, when everything Mm -hmm. falls apart Mm -hmm. and when Christ dies, and then Easter Sunday where it's all fixed again. Mm -hmm. And... A lot of theologians say that we skip too fast from Friday to Sunday Mm -hmm. and we miss this Saturday called Holy Saturday Mm -hmm. where there's this loss, there's this grief that hasn't found resolution yet. And, you know, so what was it like to be on that day where, like, things had fallen apart and it hadn't been fixed yet? Well, we know it was going to happen, but it Mm -hmm. hadn't happened yet. And so just, like, learning to live in this time called Holy Saturday where, where the resolution hasn't come yet, but I know it will come, but it's still not here. And so it's okay to experience that loss and that grief.
0: That is so touching. That is so lovely. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Mm-hmm. And it, it's not easy, but it's it's the best way to live.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. it's part of reality. Yeah. Well, this has been so illuminating. You've had so many beautiful insights, and I know it's been hard. Mm-hmm. And not just for you, but it sounds like you know your dad, your siblings, your mom herself, and. Yep. So, um, is there anything else that you'd like to share before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, just just one more addition to you know when you asked a few months ago, we had this really scary moment where it seemed like my like in front of us, my mom had died, and it was super, super scary,, uh, but she ended up being okay, she came to, but she had fainted pretty aggressively, and my friend Charlie was there to visit like, to meet my mom that day. And, like, my first thought when she passed down, I thought she had died, was I can't believe my mom just died in front of my friend. Like, that was my first thought. Like, this is so awkward. And then after that thought, you know, of course, the thought, like, the fear and, like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? And then she was okay. Uh, And so we were in Washington uh, visiting my family, and then Charlie and I flew back to to. To Utah that night, uh, we were uh, in Washington for a work thing, and when he dropped me off at my house, we like he like got out of his car and we hugged, and I was like, Charlie, I am so sorry, my mom almost died in front of you. Like that would have been so <laughs> awkward, and he said, Ben, it would have been awkward, but I would have been there for you. Oh, you know, and just knowing that we have people who like no matter what happens, they're going to be there, yes. just really is is so important.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. yes, I agree with that. Sitting with the awkwardness and the pain and the struggle having mm-hmm. not feeling alone Yep, i love that well i'm excited to hear or read your book when it comes out yeah it's gonna be uh, probably a summary of or more detail about what we've talked about
1: definitely oh and just so people know yeah. the book is not done being written and no publisher has purchased it yet so hopefully it'll be published we'll have to see
0: what will the title be
1: uh so my first book is called a walk in my shoes questions i'm often asked as of a gay larry saint and this book will be called a walk with my mom
0: Love it. Well, thanks again, Ben. This has been so, again, insightful and you're delightful and so glad we could chat.
1: Thanks, Kristen. Such a pleasure.